0: Immerse yourself in rich biblical history and Christian heritage with Vision Tours. Exploring Australia, the Holy Lands and other global destinations. Forge bonds of lasting friendship as you fellowship with like-minded believers and discover a new richness in your faith in Christ and a broader understanding of the world's Christian heritage. Enjoy the fellowship of a lifetime with Vision Tours. Explore upcoming tour packages at vision.org.au slash tours.
1: Coming up today on The Story. The village folk put on this huge feast in, in honour of my wife and myself. And while they, that feast was on, it was uh, May 2000, and uh, the guys were all um, running out listening to transistor radio. And at that particular time, the the coup happened, when um, a civilian-led coup uh, led by George VIII, uh they took over the control of the parliament. The Story.
2: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to the story. Today we have two international ones for you. We'll begin with Trevor Spinks from Smithton in Tasmania. Trevor has a heart for Fiji, and not just because he loves going there and lying on the beach. He's actually been going there to visit the prisons and to do ministry work. He'll explain how it all came about to Shelley Schoen.
3: What was it that first gave you a heart for Fiji?
1: Uh, what gave us a heart for Fiji? Yeah. Um, let, let me go back uh, just a little bit. In 1988, uh, there was a Fijian uh, guy came to our town and attended uh, a Bible school, um, the GLO school in Smithton. And mm-hmm. during that year, uh, he was assigned to our family to look after him. So theoretically, um, we, uh, for want of a better term, adopted him. And uh, he used to come to our home each Wednesday night and each weekend, you know, when he wasn't studying. But when he went back in 1989, he uh, invited us to come over, and uh, we did that. Nice. And uh, subsequently, we uh, we went and just had a look at the island for two trips. And then in doing that, we met a lot of his extended family, and um, then we began to uh, travel to a lot of the remote parts of the island to um, catch up with his, um, his, mainly his sisters. The first trip, of course, we stayed in hotels, but then when we met his family, we went and stayed in uh, uh, particularly two quite isolated villages on Viti Levu and uh, Tivuni. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we had two or three trips to uh, one of these isolated villages where we had to backpack in and uh, and carry our supplies and go over the rivers because there was no road into it at that point of time. Wow. But we established, particularly um, my wife and I, established a very close relationship with his, uh, some of his sisters and, the, and their families and the village folk.
3: Mm, that's great. Is he then having a ministry there since he was in Australia for ministry training? Is he um, doing missions work there now?
1: Uh, no, he's not. He's got a secular job, but he still is actively involved in one of the churches. He, he now lives in in the capital of Suba.
3: Right, right. Well, what a special relationship you've been able to build uh, just because you took him up on your offer, <laughs> on his yeah. offer.
1: Yes, we... we um, he, he, whilst he's a, a guy of 50, he still calls his mum and dad, but that's fine. <laughs> and uh, we've, got, uh, we've got grandkids over there as well. <laughs> um, uh, something rather interesting happened. While we were staying in this very isolated village, it's called Natsoba Soba. It's uh, about an hour and a half in the mountains out of uh, Lombasa. Um, we were staying there and, uh, and, and on one trip we noticed the river was just pure mud. And, uh, we asked what was wrong because the, the village folk used that river for their washing, they use it for their cooking, uh, for bathing, for everything. And they said it was, uh, as a result of the logging that was happening upstream. Ah. So we said to them, what can we do to help you? Or they said, what, what can we do? So we said, out. So they went to the government and and uh, got a quote to put in a water scheme. Uh, so we came back home and raised some money through sure, a local church and forwarded uh, their uh, uh, portionment of the, the scheme to the government and the government subsequently put in a fresh water scheme to their village. Wow. And that, uh, that uh, little project has snowballed into the next village and other villages on that island. So that's been a little... Um, Oh, a worthwhile endeavour that we've pursued over the years.
3: Yeah, what a great way to make an impact there. Where uh, obviously things would have been pretty bleak without that.
1: Yeah, so I, I always think of the little old lady on two sticks that uh, got out of her bura—that's their little house they live in—and hobbled down to the river each day for a bath. And then after the stream was put in, she's got a she's got a shower and a tap uh, right at her door. So
0: wow.
1: yeah, you know, it made a huge difference to their life.
3: Yeah. We're talking with Trevor Spinks. He is involved in mission work in Fiji. How did you come to be involved in the prison there? That's not usually a tourist attraction when you go to a country. No,
1: no, it's not, Shelley, but uh, it was very interesting. After we put the first uh, scheme in and it was finished and the government had uh, finished everything to satisfaction, we made a a visit to that village. And the village folk put on a a lobo, that's the, the cooking the food underground, and they put on this huge feast in in honour of my wife and myself, um, for for just to say thank you for going back and arranging some funds to do the project. And while that that feast was on, it was uh, May two thousand, and uh, the guys were all uh, running out listening to transistor radio. And at that particular time, the the coup happened when uh, when uh, a civilian led uh, coup uh, led by George fate uh, they took over the uh, control of the Parliament for so many days and um, overthrew the government and uh, it was I think it was because of that it uh, it gave us an interest in what was happening in the in the prisons
3: yes very much so so what was that like for you being there when that happened were you scared for your safety or was it more uh, reassuring
1: uh, it was or um,
3: well, no impact
1: it was, it was very different in that when we came back to the, the major town There was a lot of uh, military road checks And uh, people were very apprehensive as to what might happen next And we mm-hmm. were advised to uh, not to travel on to the next island uh, As we were planned to Because they thought we may not get home for a while So uh, we shortened our trip I think at that time And came home about a week or two early But we took a... Uh, a very particular interest in uh, in the um, what had happened after that, because um, uh, George Bate, the guy who uh, had led the coup, with um, uh, army officers to assist him. Um, after the after the coup, uh, another government took over, and uh, and then um, uh, George and a lot of the uh, army officers were imprisoned. Uh, and I think it's because we were. In, at, in the island at that time that uh, we, uh, we took a particular interest. Yeah. Um, we never intended to, but um, we've got a close friend over there who was involved in prison ministry fellowship, and he said to us one, one time, uh, Trevor, if you're here on Wednesday, you're coming with me to to go and visit George. And at that time, uh, the political prisoners were all held separately on an island called Nukalau. So we went over under armed guard and... Um, and visited the, the guys there in that prison. I went uh, in, uh, with a bit of fear and trembling, but uh, uh, come away uh, with a very different attitude.
3: What kind of different attitude? What changed in you?
1: Well, when I went there and uh, visited George and some of the other guys, I found that, uh, that uh, they had, uh, in fact, come to the Lord while they'd been in prison, and they were the most uh, uh, vibrant uh, Christians um, with a strong faith that uh, uh, probably I'd ever seen. Uh, I went there with the attitude of maybe I can uh, encourage uh, um, George who had led the coup, uh, but I came away feeling very encouraged myself. And then um, after that uh, the uh, Nukalau was closed down as a, as a prison and the the guys on remand were transferred to one of the major prisons uh, close to the capital. Uh, Following that time, we just, every time we went over, we we kept going. My wife and I kept going and uh, visiting George and a few of the other guys um, because we'd established a rapport with them.
3: George has made quite an amazing turnaround in his life. He's uh, committed himself to Christ and really going on for the Lord.
1: He is, he's a a very vibrant, very positive Christian and uh, I said to him once, Shelley, do you ever get depressed in here? And he said, no, that's a word we we don't even use because uh, I believe we're in uh, God's embassy. Uh, That's what he calls the (laughs) prison at the
3: moment. (laughs) Trevor, you obviously have that passion for the prison ministry there in Fiji. I guess you plan to continue to go back there every uh, so often and, and visit we, George and the guys there?
1: Yeah, my wife, uh, Marion, and I, we uh, go every year, um, sometimes twice a year. We're due to go again shortly, and we always make it a point of uh, uh, visiting these guys. Uh, we've also established quite a relationship with some of the prison officers that look after them. Wow. Um, and uh, we'll certainly go back on annex. next... I think um, we had a bit of a debate a while ago as to how many trips we'd had. I thought we might have had 20, but when we counted the stamps and the passports, we'd had 28. So. Oh,
3: wow. It's obviously a, a beautiful place to visit, but it's great that you can incorporate so much into those travels yeah, as well.
1: it's a beautiful place. We've just established uh, many, many friends over the years, and uh, I think it's nothing, Shelley, that we set out to do. It's something that just happened. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, it, it's a God thing. You know, we've established uh, close relationships with a lot of couples and uh, it's no different there that it is here they uh, they get into uh, relationship difficulties sometimes and sometimes they just ask Mary and I to just to sit down and try and work things out and thankfully God has been able to use us to to help in the, you know the little things as well as the big things.
3: yeah Wow. That's just awesome. Like you say, it's nothing that you particularly set out to do, but you were just there and available and obedient uh, to the yes. things that God sent you to do, and you didn't shy away from uh, these big well, we, tasks. We, as well,
1: we made the first trip as a tourist trip, yeah, with our uh, with our four children, and uh, then because we met all these people along the way, uh, things just evolved from one thing to the other. So. Yeah. Uh, We've been pretty excited over the years, uh, you know, and just feel very privileged to be able to, to help them in small ways.
3: Thanks so much for your time this morning. Okay, well, great to talk to you.
2: That was Trevor Spinks from Smithton in Tasmania chatting about his heart for Fiji and the mission work he's been doing there. Next, we'll turn to Nepal and hear Pastor Rinzi Lama share his story and some of the challenges he faces doing ministry there. That's coming up when we return. The Story. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. You're listening to The Story. Today, we're hearing two international stories. Before the break, we heard Trevor Spinks from Tasmania, who's been doing ministry work in Fiji. Now, we turn our focus to Kathmandu in Nepal. That's where Pastor Rinzi Lama is from. It's one of the poorest areas in Asia. Electricity is rationed, and clean drinking water can be difficult to get in places. This presents some unique challenges, as he works to establish small churches in the mountainous regions of Nepal. He's chatting with Karen Hunt about how he was introduced to Christianity back in the 1970s.
4: It was a very hard time during I became a Christian uh, because uh, our country was a monarchy. Mm -hmm. So therefore uh, very hard for the Christian people at that time. My family parents uh, brother and sister and uh, for 15 years I could not see one another and uh, my other parents and uh, family saying to one of the son and brother they died no more in the family no. so therefore we do not have connection one another for 15 years but after 15 years we are very much struggle a lot of struggle. God has called me special way uh, God told me go and evangelize in family and I went I born in the Hilly area mountain yeah and uh, in Buddhist family so I went and um, I found my father was sick nobody knows me uh, because we haven't she for 15 years and then what happened I told mom can I pray and mom is not happy to pray because of their God may angry and may kill. Mm. So therefore, again I request. Then after I pray, and God heal father within ten minutes. That is a first miracle in happening mm. family. Brilliant. Then after uh, after uh, God has done so many things you know, in my life. So uh, my mom accepted and uh, father accepted, my one brother accepted. At uh, present now uh, we have eight brothers, six brothers accepted Lord uh-huh. as Shabir and my parents uh, passed away in 1997. My father in 2012 my mother passed away. They are very good Christian. Uh, In 1994, we established a church. Mm -hmm. I did a theological college. Uh Uh, This is in Nepal. And then uh, I did a master ministry. Uh, That is my theological background. Mm. But
0: you have an evangelistic heart, don't you?
4: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: So when you started... The church in 1994. Uh, Since then, you've actually established many churches in many parts of Nepal. Tell us the story of your heart for a very small number of people in the Mugu district. Had to walk like five days to reach these people.
4: Just I walked the five days by the grace of God. I went up to, you know, one of the city called uh, Nepal Gans. The Nepal Gans is the uh, far west mm-hmm. Nepal. Uh, one hour maybe I can say one hour by plane for Kathmandu to Nepal Gans. Then after Nepal Gans if I walk to Mugu it will be take for twenty two days mm. if I walk. But I went uh, flew from Nepal Gans to Jumla for 45 minutes. Then after I walk by faith for five days, I went to western part Sometimes it is hard to get the food in that area. It is very poor, very poor in the remote area.
0: And so were you with someone else on this particular journey?
4: Yeah, yeah. With me, some evangelists. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Mugu there is a few uh, very few, number five or six people are there, Christian people, but they are they do not have fellowship. So I went for encouragement for them because they came uh, where I am living in Kathmandu. Mm-hmm. So they came and met and they told, come and visit and encourage us. So I went there. And is
0: this the type of thing that you do often? Uh, yeah, yeah. So you choose an area. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you decide this is where we're going, we're on a mission, off we go.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that is, we have to go because uh, my vision is to go to a remote area. Yeah. The Himalayan region and uh, among the Buddhist people. Yeah. So that is, uh, most of uh, people, uh, Buddhist people live in, the, in a hilly area. So therefore my vision is especially, you know, because of I born in a Buddhist uh, family. Mm-hmm. So nowadays uh, we established many, many churches. I'm leading uh, actually now 51 churches at present. Wow. 51 churches in the eastern part and uh, western part, mainly in hilly region. So you must be a very
0: fit man. You're literally following the scriptures where the Lord says, go to a place that I will show you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: That is exactly I believe, you know. God has called me a special way to evangelize the poor people, the Buddhist people. So the remote area, it is amazing, you know. Sometimes we cannot find food. Sometimes we cannot get a place where shade, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we sleep on uh, open ground, mm-hmm. you know. It is hard, not easy, you know. We train uh, the people. We call together one place and we give them instruction uh, every three months, leadership training. hmm not long time for three days
0: so training up people to expand the evangelistic
4: outreach yeah, to yeah. the mountain people specifically yeah, in Nepal really no more uh, than mountain people also we have Bible school small Bible school yeah uh, we call the young people uh, to make the second line leadership in their churches.
0: And so is, is the Bible school in Kathmandu yeah, or? yeah, yeah. So apart from your own evangelistic work, your, your training, your Bible school, tell us about the orphanage that yeah. you've also established to help the children from these mountain areas.
4: Yeah. Wherever I go, I love the children, especially my wife is, uh, uh, she has very much heart for the poor children. But we want to be those who do not have parents and uh, we like to very much bring them. So we started in 2003 uh, before uh, we do not have any plan uh, for the uh, orphan children home. Mm-hmm. 2002 we visited and uh, in hilly area. Um for walking for uh, five and a half days with my wife. So we raised the mountain and uh, we showed the own boy and the boy is uh, alone. And uh, uh, he has a grandmother, 65 old, and uh, he is alone. And we asked, who is this? Oh, this is this, that, that, that. And um, uh, where is father? Father is died when mm-hmm. he was uh, in mother's womb. And mother's married another one mm. because her mother is very young. So we, we are very pretty hard for him. And we call, uh, we, we request him about take to our home. That is a beginning, you know. And then after, you know, people heard, oh, that uh, uh, boy is take from our village to care of in Kathmandu. So then after what happened, the people come one by one. Oh, my children, they don't have the father and mother like that, you know. And they they ask a request and we check and uh, we want to recognize whether father died or Mm -hmm. mother died. And we went and check up. So then slowly, you know, children come after three months. There was five children after one year, nine children come, you know. That I still, have, uh, We could not stop when to come, and we are very, pretty hard.
0: So how many kids do you have there now?
4: So once we have 39 children, wow. three children already finished their class 12. Three children went, and they are doing very good job in different areas. And we have still 36 children are with us. So my wife and my children care for them, and do not have servant to care up them. So you and your wife,
0: thirty six kids, you head off every so often and go walking into the mountains, yeah. serving others far and wide. Yeah. God bless you, Pastor Inzi. <laughs> yeah.
4: oh, this is by the grace of God. I'm really thank you for giving me this great opportunity to share our ministry.
0: You are very welcome. God bless you, Pastor Renzi. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you.
2: That was Pastor Renzi Lama from Kathmandu in Nepal, chatting with Karen Hunt about some of the challenges he's faced doing ministry in one of the poorest areas in Asia. Before that, we heard from Trevor Spinks from Tasmania, who's been serving the Lord in various ways in Fiji. It's quite remarkable how both of them have offered their time and service to the Lord. And it sounds like, from what we heard, they've both been greatly blessed. As the Bible says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Well, thanks for joining us for Two Inspiring Stories. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today next time on The Story. On Australia's Got Talent, I, I dressed up as the mascot and I, um, I sang Mustang Sally, which I thought was ironic, being the horse, took my head off and um, they, they thought I had a bit of talent and I got through the semi-finals and then they said, um, you yeah, know, we weren't so convinced this time round <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's where my um, reality TV experience ended. But I guess that was um, probably the, the precipice of, um, a, of a crash. Justin Gange has had a lifelong struggle with mental illness. This eventually led to a suicide attempt and then a miraculous intervention by God. We'll hear his story next time. The Story, story. just another way vision is connecting faith to life.